You know, it's just been truly an incredible week for us. Um, and I actually believe that this is a turning point in our church's life. Uh, as we've just completed this first ever week of, of prayer and fasting. And Monday through Friday, we had those prayer meetings at 6 a.m. and noon. And I appreciate so many of you coming and being part of that and making an effort. And I think what became obvious for me on Friday, and maybe it was this way for you as well, is that I've probably never spent so much time in prayer in one week in my entire life. You know, it just the focus on that became really good for us uh, to be able to do that. And coming to those prayer services obviously set the tone for me, but it continued through the week uh, and through the day because of those times of fasting. And I was encouraged by many of you who told me that you were joining us in the fast and you were walking through that and, and participating, some of you for the first time, some of you, uh, it, it was an old habit for you to pick up again. It was something you were, you were very familiar with and I'm grateful for that. It was different for everyone and I believe that what will happen in the days to come is that we're gonna look back on this week and we're gonna be able to see how God used that as a springboard into some really great things in our lives uh, and how he ordained something incredible out of it. Uh, I want you to be mindful to keep praying this week, especially for a few things uh, that are coming to our lives that are very important for us. Don't forget to pray for Pastor Rich and his wife Paige and the triplets as they'll be making that move uh, in the coming weeks. This week, Rich uh, and his mother-in-law and the kids will be moving here while Paige finishes up with the, uh, the movers who are packing the house and getting things ready. So uh, I believe Rich should be here next Sunday uh, with us. And so we want to be able to to keep praying for them because they're a key piece of what we believe that God is doing in our future. And I also want you to start praying that their house would sell. Like, like Let's not just assume that God's going to do that. Let's pray now that their house would sell and sell quickly. And as we do that, I want you to keep praying for families in Nashville to come to faith in Christ. Uh, we're about to enter into this Connect One season. You've gotten a Connect card. You've been praying for someone that you want to connect to the Lord Jesus Christ. And over the, the next uh, month, you're going to hear a little bit more about that leading to our Connect Sunday, April 5th. Be praying about that. I expect that there'll be hundreds of first-time guests in our service that day, people that you've brought with you, that I've brought with me, who will be with us. And, and I want you to be praying for our April 4th day of Connection Blitz. We'll talk to you more about that uh, and what that's going to look like in the coming days. But be praying for those things. Over the next two weeks, we're going to spend our time talking about stewardship uh, and studying about that. And this is something that we do every year right about this time. It's important for us to do that. And I think it's important for us to do it every year because we need to stop and evaluate as individuals and families the role of money in our lives and its importance in our lives and where it sits in our lives uh, because that can change year to year. So it's a good time for us to stop and think back about that. We do it every year like that. I always tell people, if you don't want to hear the pastor preach about money, skip these two weeks. Because, I mean, we do it every year. It's just, it's just kind of that thing. We never back up from it. It's just something we're always going to do right about this time every year. But secondly, it's important for us to talk about because so many of you are new to our church and you're new in your faith journey. And this is a next step, just kind of learning God's plan for us in regards to finances. And, and, you know, I just reminded that Jesus spoke about this all of the time. He talked about it all the time. It, it was important to him, so it needs to be important to us as well. Uh, and so we don't need to be afraid to look at it and evaluate it. So let's take our Bibles, grab them if you have them, and I hope that you do, and turn to Psalm 24. And today I want to challenge you with a framework for stewardship. And we're going to kind of 
look at what that means for our lives. And then next week, we'll dig a little bit deeper, study a little bit further into what it means for us to give and the role that money has in our lives into the practice of giving. But, but there will be a couple of different verses that are going to come out of today that won't be in Psalm 24. So you're going to definitely want to keep a pen uh, and paper handy just to jot those down so that you can go back and look at them through the week for some future reference to kind of remind yourself of what we were talking about today. But Psalm 24 and verse 1, this great verse of Scripture, is just a reminder for us, and it's, it's really the key to understanding the framework of stewardship in our life. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. Let that just sink in for a minute. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. Here's why. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. I want you to bow your heads with me as we begin in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the everlasting word. that You've given it to us and it's preserved perfectly for us so that we could know your heart, so that we could know your ways and understand your ways. And we thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from above and we thank you, Lord, that you supply all of our needs through your glories and riches in Christ Jesus. And as we study the word today, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth. Father, make our hearts receptive. Father, free us from the love of money and forgive us when we believe your blessings only come through money. Father, that's so short-sighted in our lives. And it speaks to where our heart is so many times when we just believe that that our only blessings come through money. We ask that you give us your perspective today. We ask that you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I initially decided to call this short series Stewardship. And stewardship's a word that really gets to our understanding of how God operates. It's a word that Jesus used many times in the New Testament as he spoke about parables of the master and the steward. He talked about it several times, about the, the, the shrewd steward. He talked about faithful steward. He talked about us using our talents as stewards. And, and in it, he describes the idea of the steward in relationship to the master. And that context carries over really well for us if we're going to understand our own relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems to me that one of the things that's missing from a lot of our thinking is the word master. It's missing in the songs that we sing. We used to sing it, Jesus, Jesus, master, savior, master. It's kind of this idea that it's far from our minds right now. But, you know, if you look at a diamond or a cut stone, you understand that it has many facets. As you turn it, you see the different sides of it. You see a little bit different perspective on it. And when we think about the Lord, we can think about God, our Father, and we can think about Jesus, our Messiah, and our Savior. And we can think about how he's our healer, and we can think about how the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and we can think about how he's our counselor. And we can be grateful for all of those things, but we should never lose sight of this word. Master. Master. If the Lord is our master, we have to understand it from a biblical perspective. Romans 7, 4 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit 
to God. I think a lot of us believe uh, incorrectly that what happened is that when we were set free from the law of sin and death, we were just free to ourselves. That, that we're just set free to live any way that we want to live and that God kind of serves as this companion on the journey for us. And, and yet the scripture clearly states that we now belong to another. We've been given over from death to life, but we've been given to serve the master who is Jesus Christ. And, and as we serve the master, this word stewardship really takes on a special meaning for us. A steward manages the affairs of the masters. That includes everything from possessions that the master has to the gospel. Jesus said, I, I, I've received all authority. It's been given to me, and now I'm sending you out. Right? Remember that in the Great Commission. All authority's been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples. We manage the affairs of the master. They're, they're given to us and we manage those affairs. So when we read Psalm 24, we're reminded of this fundamental truth that we have to wrestle with this morning. Everything on the earth is the Lord's. Everything. Now, we often think about the earth being the Lord's, right? I mean, yeah, yeah I get it, that the streams are the Lord's and the, the heavens are the Lord's. And, and maybe you take it a step forward, you say the mountains and the valleys are the Lord's. But what God is saying here is that everything is his. Why? Because he created literally everything. Everything that has been created was created in and through him. We, we didn't create anything. We don't generate anything on our own. And therefore, everything that you think you own is actually just in your hand for a little while. Don't believe me? Come with me on a funeral visit. Come with me. I've probably told you this story, but I think it bears repeating again. Everything that you've amassed in your life, someone's either going to sell or give away. My grandfather collected these weird little things called gnomes. <laughs> little elfin trollish figures all over the house. All over the house. And you'd say, like, I mean... Have we bought enough? Yeah, I'm buying these. These are all gonna, these are all gonna be yours one day, <laughs> right? Thank you. You know, when my grandfather passed away, we gave all of the gnomes to my oldest cousin, God bless his soul, and told him to sell them. He couldn't give them away on eBay. We had to throw them away. That, that's what happens to your stuff. It passes through your hand. It, it's just there for a little while. And, and it, it's really important that we understand that there's nothing that exists that's not the Lord. And, and that means that the building that we're in, the church, it's the Lord's. And you get that. You're like, oh, yeah, this is God's house, right? Your house is God's house too. Your car is God's car. Your job is God's job. I mean, it, it, it's all been given to you by the Lord. And, and I think we grasp that pretty easily when it comes to the earth and the mountains and the seas and, and things that we can't control or the church. We, we can't really control that. But, but it's everything. The inhabitants and everything in it belong to the Lord. He created all. That means everything we think we own is actually not ours. If he's the master who owns it all, it just means that we're stewards of the material things that God gives us. Now, this is hard for us to believe because as Americans, we really believe the American dream sets us apart from every other nation on earth. We believe truthfully, down in our souls, that if other countries around the world just did what we did and believed that free enterprise worked and that if you just gave people a dream, that everything would go great for them and they're just missing it because they don't have the American dream. But listen to what Deuteronomy 8.18 says. God told the children of Israel, the Lord your God gives you power to gain wealth. 
The Lord your God gives you power to gain wealth. You didn't create wealth on your own. I don't create wealth on my own. It's impossible for us to do that. You say, well, I have good business acumen. Who gave it to you? God generates this in our life. God allows us to do it. None of us can generate anything. And so because he owns it all, it challenges our perspective on what we do with money. We're not owners, we're stewards. And the implications are huge for us because a steward manages the resources, listen, for the owner's benefit. Not for their benefit, for the owner's benefit. The steward is the manager of the resources for the owner's benefit. And when we shift our thinking to believe that we own everything, we're inverting our relationship to the Lord. And what we're saying is, it's all mine, and you keep blessing me, and you come along for the ride, God. Keep doing what I want you to do. And that's not how this operates at all. The earth is the Lord, everything in it, the inhabitants, all of it. He made it, so it's his. Faithful stewards have a different perspective. They understand that the way they hold on to things and grasp things has to be different. People who have an ownership mentality believe that they have to hold on to everything tightly. They have to control everything. They have to, to look to everything every minute of the day. And, and if they release their grip at all, they're scared. Stewards have a very different mentality. They have an open hand. Because they understand that things come into their lives and things go out of their lives. God brings things and he takes them away. God gives them things to use and God uses those things for other important things in their lives. They're not ours to possess, but ours to manage for a greater purpose. So with that in mind, we go back to Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's. That's the starting point. It's the foundation. And if you don't understand this fundamental truth, you're not gonna track through the rest of this sermon. Are you with me so far? Really? It's all his. Every bit of it. It's all his. And because it's all his, there's four things that we need to practice daily. Four things that we need to practice daily so that we can have a proper relationship with money. Here's the first one. Declare your dependence. Declare your dependence. Because the earth is the Lord's and he gives us these good things. He gives us the material things. He provides for us. One of my personal verse, uh, favorite verses, I, I love to pray this verse, comes out of Psalm 145. I, I like to pray it as we eat food because it's just a reminder to me of, of what God is doing. It says this in Psalm 145, verse 15 and 16. All eyes look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Jesus taught us to look to the Father for every good thing, including our daily bread. Remember that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not just a tagline. It's not sentimental. He's saying literally, look to the Lord daily and declare your dependence on him for the smallest of thing in your life that we take for granted, daily bread. I bet you don't take it for granted after this past week, right? It's a little bit different perspective when you've denied yourself through the week certain things. Maybe you had the experience like I did. I was breaking fast one evening because we were in a modified fast that day and I walked into our pantry because I was hungry and I reached for the first thing that I saw, a big old hunk of chocolate <laughs> and had to remind my, hold up, we're not doing that this week. Grab the Trisket. Now, Triscuits are good. It's not chocolate. When you start thinking about those little things, right, 
you start to see that God literally opens his hand and satisfies the desire of all things. Every good and perfect gift, the food, the clothing, all of that comes to us from the Lord. And so this becomes the cry of the heart of a man or woman who truly understands their place in the world. When you understand your relationship to money, you have to daily declare your dependence on the Lord. And when we declare our dependence on the Lord, there's two things that happens. One is that as we do that, we're worshiping the Lord. We're worshiping the Lord because we're recognizing that he is so much bigger than us, that he's in charge, that literally he is the one who's opening his hand. We're we're declaring that dependence and we're worshiping the Lord. But when you daily declare your dependence on the Lord, the second thing that happens is you preach a sermon to yourself every day. You preach a sermon to yourself that says, I'm not in charge here. I may think that I'm in charge. I may think that I'm controlling this, but truthfully, my dependence has to be on the Lord. Not, we can get caught up in delusions of grandeur. We just think we're way more important than we are. And I wish I could tell you it doesn't happen to Christians, but it does. We lose the ability to have godly perspective on finances and resources. And when we do it, it ruins us. So we daily declare our dependence on God as an act of worship and a sermon, a lesson to ourselves. Because God gives us all things, we recognize it, and that leads us to the next practice. Declare your dependence daily. But secondly, give God's way. Give God's way. Because it's all God's, he has the first say in how we spend our money, and he tells us two things over and over in the scripture. The first is that we have to practice the discipline of returning 10% or returning the tithe. That's what that word means. 10% of everything you earn is the Lord's. And that's literally what the word means. To tithe is is 10%. It means you take 10% off the top of your check and you give it to the Lord. And and you you may think that you have some say over that money or that you're kind of like a charitable board that directs that. You have no ability to do that. It's the Lord's. He directs it. He he says it in the Old Testament. He says it in the New Testament. Jesus commends it. And even in the wisdom literature, In Proverbs, it's commended to us again and again. The tithe belongs to the Lord. First fruits. The greatest text about this is found in Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tenth, the tithe, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. When you give God's way, You're not looking at your bank accounts at the end of the month to see what's left over to give to God because the first came out. The first check that was written was the Lord's. It's his. You have no right to it. It is not yours. To touch it, listen. Go back and read Malachi a few verses up. To touch it means you're a thief. Not my words. God's words. To touch it means you're taking something that isn't yours. God says over and over again, if you'll do this, I'll bless you. I'll rebuke the devourer in your life. I'll preserve you. I will pour out my blessing on you. And and here's the thing. He says, test me. Try me. I wish I could tell you the number of people who I've met in my life who tried the Lord right here. One of the only places in the scripture you're ever told you can try the Lord. And found him to be faithful. I've been tithing my whole life. My parents taught me when I was a young child. I don't know any different. 
And I can tell you that God has been as good as his word. He's been as good as his word. I've got a lifetime to prove it to you. But don't take my word for it. Try it. Try it. Test him. See what he says. Because tithing is this thing where God is going to be faithful to his own word, faithful to his name, because he promises that he'll do it. And tithing is the jumping off point for the believer, but it doesn't end there. Beyond tithing is the second thing God tells us, and that's that we bring offerings from time to time above the tithe. We see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament again. Offerings commended to us for specific purposes. We do an offering every year for for missions. You may want to do, like I've encouraged you to, to give to missions over and above the tithe. Global focus. You should be giving to that. It's an offering to the Lord for his work. You should give to to special offerings like we talk about with our building. When we talk about reducing that building debt, all of that that comes through that, these were given beyond the tithe. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about this next week, so come back. (laughs) Stick to the end on it. But here's the point. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and he determines how we give, not you. This is not a negotiation. This is his word. This is his precept for us. It's given to us. He determines it. And the consequence of not giving God's way show up in some big ways and smalls. But I don't want you to miss this. You have to give God's way. You have to give God's way. So this leads us to the third practice. Not only do we declare our dependence daily and we give God's way, but number three is that we live on less. The Bible has a lot to say about how we live within our means. And one of the distressing things that I continue to see us struggle with as Christians is this issue of escalating debt. I'm not talking about your house. I'm not talking about buying a house. I'm talking about escalating debt, credit card debt, car debt, things that are just driving us off into a hole right here, right? You get so far down in it, you feel like you can never get out of it. And this idea of maintaining a lifestyle at any expense so that we do it on credit. Many of us are living on 110% of our income. And we're digging this hole that we may never, never be able to get out of without drastic changes. And the Bible's clear. Listen to what Proverbs 22.7 says. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. That, that's a stark word there. If you've ever been in debt, you know exactly how this feels. You know exactly how it feels. You know what it's like to have that bearing down on you. You also can know, and many of us, myself included, could give you a testimony of what it's like to come out of that. To be out of that changes things because no longer do you feel that oppression in your life. And so we need to live on less. Now, I'm not talking about living on less in the way that most people think about it. Some people say, well, yeah, we ought to live on less, like 95% of our income. Nope. That's not really living on less. It's not providing enough for you. And here's what I mean by that. You need to be living on about 75 to 80% of your income. You say, well, why? Number one is the tithe. There went 10. Right off the top. Not yours to live on anyway. So 10% goes away. But then the scripture also teaches us about retirement. Right? It says that we, we need to put something back, that there would be an inheritance for our children's children. It's important for us to see that. You know, so, so you talk to any financial planner, you, you need to be, maybe you have a 401k at your work and you can participate in that. You should. You should be putting something back for the future. You should also be saving some 
for expenses that are going to come up. The next car, the next time. You know, I'm always amazed at this. Do you find yourself like I am? I'm amazed that my water heater goes out. And I scratch my head and I look at it and I think, well, God, what are you trying to teach me? And a couple of years ago, I realized what he was trying to teach me is, hey, dummy, save some money. Put the money back. I don't know about your house, but things break. Things wear out. You have to replace them. So if you're living on 110%, you're just digging a hole, right? You have to live on less so that you can be on, 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 on track with what God wants us to do. Listen to this. This is startling. The average Tennessean, $5,000 in credit card debt alone. $5,000. That's just the average Tennessean. 40% of millennials say today that they are deeply concerned about their debt and don't see a way out of it. They're overwhelmed by it. It's pressing in on them. And here's the thing. We've lived and believed this lie that we can have it all, and it's just not true. You can't have it all. You're going to have to live on less. You've got to live on less and be a faithful steward of that. To be able to provide that inheritance for those children's children means that you have to live on less. You, you don't live by the lottery. You don't live uh, frivolously spending God's resources. You have to have an eye to the future. If I had a nickel, just one, one nickel, for every time that I've heard Pastor Jack say, steady plotting brings prosperity, but hasty speculation leads to ruin. I could retire right now. He has so ingrained that in my life. Steady plotting leads to prosperity. Hasty speculation leads to ruin. It, it's in my life. So sometimes we're thinking all the time, well, the next raise that I get, that's when I'll finally start to live like this. The, the, the next time that I get a bonus, that my next job, I, I'm going to be able to do this. No, you have to start now. Steady plotting, living on what God is providing, trusting him with everything. That gets us to number four, guard against greed. Daily, we have to guard against greed. This is something we have to be on the lookout for in our lives every day. Listen to this. You, you, you've heard this, and you know this, but this steady plotting, this is really important. Too many of us have fallen for the trap of, oh, this next latest get-rich-quick scheme. That's greed in our lives. Be part, pastor, be part of this multi-level marketing, branding thing, and you're going to get rich while I get really rich, right? Don't do it. Don't be part of it. Don't jump into that. That's greed in our lives. And listen to what Jesus said about this in Luke 12, 15. Watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Did you hear Hannah sing that just a minute ago? Right? Our worth is not found in what we own. I was reading 1 Corinthians recently and was reminded what the real issue is for us in chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4.18 admonishes us to focus on the unseen, which is eternal, rather than on the seen, which is temporary. How hard is that? It's so difficult, isn't it? It's difficult for us to take our eyes off of the things that we can see right in front of us because they occupy our vision, our sight. Right? It, it, it's that thing in our lives that's invading us all the time. We're marketed to. Everywhere you go, you see things, and, and it's so easy to focus on that and put all your effort and energy into that, never focusing on what's going with you. 
there are a couple of things that are going to last forever. The word of the Lord and the souls of men. How much time have you spent with those things lately? How much time have you spent with the word of God and the souls of men? Engaging them with the gospel, pleading with them to come to know Christ. Uh, just, just using opportunities. It doesn't take much. It, just to have an opportunity to share with someone, invite them to church. Did, I did it yesterday. You can do it too, right? Come with me. We'd love to have you. Be part of this. Spend time with people's souls. That, that's what happens when we get to heaven. We're going to be with the souls of those who we brought with us, who Jesus has redeemed. Last week as you were in prayer and fasting, how many times did you have to fight the urge to focus on what is seen? Right? Food. Internet. Entertainment. Pleasure. The next thing that you need to buy. If we understood our challenge to guard against greed and how dangerous it is, our lives would be so much freer. Listen to the problem with it. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish, harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Contentment is one of the greatest things that you could have in your life today. When you start to work hard to become rich or you feel like you need just a little bit more, you fall into temptation, a trap, into foolish, harmful desires that could plunge you into ruin, could harm you, could even, did you hear what he said? Lead you away from the faith. Many have strayed from the faith because of this. So we have to actively guard against it every day. We have to watch our inner dialogue. We have to watch the inner dialogue of our heart. You may not be speaking it out loud, but you have to watch what you're dwelling upon. You have to watch what you're thinking about. We watch our desires or we too will be led astray. The earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. Guard against greed. And today you may need to once again declare your dependence on the Lord. Start right there. And as we respond in just a moment, just declare your dependence on the Lord. Our dependence on the Lord is salvation, right? Jesus saved you, died for you. Why won't we depend on him for finances? I mean, that's crazy. That's, that's a logical fallacy. I trust you with eternity, not my presence. Presence. I can't say that word. The present time. There we go. Right? I mean, why, why, why would we do it? So maybe time just to, just to declare your dependence on him again. Maybe today you need to give God's way for the first time in your life. It's time to start. Instruction from the Lord demands a response of obedience, and it may be time to write the first tithe check you've ever written today. And as you do it, just repent for not obeying the Lord in the past 
and be grateful that he forgives. Somebody has asked me before, and I'm always glad to address this issue. What if I have not been tithing in the past? Do I owe God back tithes? Yes. No, you don't. Right? Go and sin no more. Just start there. Go and sin no more. Just trust the Lord today. It may be time for you to decide to live on less. And I've got an action point for you on this one that's really important. If you feel overwhelmed by debt and you're really not seeing any way out and you really want to learn how to live on less, Pastor Jack, our minister of family life and discipleship, is a certified Dave Ramsey coach. We have other financial coaches who will coach you for free. And if you need help with that, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to just take one of those connect cards that's in the pew. Just write your name on that and just write help with finances and put it in the offering plate at the end. And we'll make sure that one of our financial coaches contacts you and puts you on a plan so that you can get out of debt, live on less, and do it God's way. The first step in that is always the hardest, I promise you. It was for me. The first step is always the hardest. But once you get there, I promise you that God will bless you. Maybe today it's time for you to repent of greediness and to place the guard back on the watchtower for greed in your life. You've been struggling with that? Just repent. Guard against it. Allow God to bring contentment in your life. Pray for contentment in this moment. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and we're going to pray. In just a second, we're going to sing a song of response. But our prayer today just starts with declaring our dependence on the Lord. Would you do that right now? Would you declare your dependence on Him? Commit in your heart to give God's way. Purpose in your heart to live on less. Repent of being greedy. Ask God to give you contentment. Father, with this time, we respond to your word. And as we have declared our dependence on you, we ask God for you to make us content in all things. Lead us to be good stewards of your wealth, this earth. Lord, it's all yours. We ask God that you would change our thinking from ownership to stewardship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to stand. It may be today that you've never given your life to Christ. You've been wrestling with that. I'd love to talk with you about that. You may need to join our church. You may need to just finish off the week of prayer and fasting by completing that at the altar today. Whatever it is, this is our time to respond to the Lord. And as we respond to him, let the answer be yes, Lord. Let's sing. Take my life and let it be consecrated.
Guys, come and prepare to receive our offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this special day. We thank you that we have this time to give now, Lord, with a perspective that you've given us from your word. And we pray, Father, that you would just burn that in our hearts this week. Father, where you find us being owners and not stewards, convict us. Change our thinking to align with yours, Lord. It's all yours. We hold all things loosely in Jesus' name. Amen.